Welcome to Canada's Musical Mosaic. I'm Maria Beaumont, pianist, composer, specialist in Canadian music and culture. I have a fabulous guest today from a Canadian band that sold over 15 million records. Formed in 1988, they've won Grammys, Juno Awards, were inducted into the Canadian Music Hall of Fame on their 30th anniversary. Not only are they terrific musicians with songs in a wide range of styles from pop, rock to rap, they give terrific shows. They're smart, they're funny, sometimes political, and super talented. The Bare Naked Ladies. I'm so pleased to welcome bassist, vocalist, and songwriter from the band, Jim Cregan. Hi, and thanks so much for being here. This is fabulous. Hi, Rhea. Thanks for having me. Um, wow. Yeah, that's a lot. That's a lot to live up to in that introduction. <laughs> you guys have earned it. You are infinitely still one of the most popular bands out there. If I Had a Million Dollars is one of the Bare Naked Ladies' signature songs and so is the theme from the hit TV show, Big Bang Theory. Did you guys ever envision this level of success when the band was just starting out? And how's it changed for you? Has your fan base changed? What's it been like? Well, uh, we started in our living rooms. Our parents were generous enough to let us set up all our stuff and... Um, and they'd have to step over it to get to where they needed to go. But we we did it, we started because we, I guess we were drawn to each other and, and how we, the music that each other had to give. And, uh, you know, it's unlikely characters getting together, but it was because of music and, uh, and all the different sort of backgrounds that we have kind of contributed to this uh, one thing that the band created. Ed had a, sort of steeped in it. His family was steeped in country music, like George Jones, and Hank Snow. And Steve was sort of, he, he had a strong influence in hot pop stuff, like, like XTC. And my brother and I were really, I don't know, we were, we were actually involved with the Scarborough, uh, Scarborough symphonies, but also the Toronto Youth Symphony. So we were being exposed to a lot of, a lot of the classics. Like we were, I remember he played a, a Hindemith piece on the timpani. And, uh, I remember uh, Tchaikovsky, like I remember a Stravinsky piece that I played at U of T that, that I think all these things just changed my life in small ways. And I guess sort of gave me sensibilities that I could strive for even in a small group setup. And then they had Tyler who, who brought in stuff like even like uh, the Dewey Brothers or, you know, Max Webster. We were all into Rush and through those connections, our music came about. You mentioned several Canadian musicians in there. Bare Naked Ladies are pretty much synonymous with Canadian music. But with your training at the University of Toronto that you mentioned and growing up here, uh, you've also traveled the world. So has being Canadian influenced your outlook or music or your views on things? Well, number one, the springboard for the whole thing was that we all came from public schools. And Scarborough Music Program was so rich, like it really introduced us to great practicing professional musicians uh, teaching in the schools, uh, the itinerant program, and they, they carried us all the way through school. And at the end of the, each year, we got to go to Scarborough Music Camp. And it was like, it's where all the, the artsy kids were the cool kids, you know, and <laughs> we got to... And we went to dances where we we're exposed to like the push mode. And of course, we're still slow, da slow dancing the closer, closer to the heart by Rush at the end. You know, that was always. 
<laughs> and Stairway to Heaven, of course. But I think because Canada gave us, Scarborough gave us this chance to explore music and be connected with mentors. And that allowed us to kind of reach out to other things and, and uh, consider ourselves like, think that we could do this, empowered us. Right. Um, and I'd say like, as far as when we travel around the world and, and notice, experience other things, I mean, all those things influence us as well. So um, I was just thinking like when we were down in Nashville, we got to see uh, a concert. We just walked into this concert and the Scatolites were playing. And, you know, this bass player in that band was so groovy. Like he was, he just had something so relentlessly groovy that, you know, I just, I absorbed it all night. I danced to it. And then all those things, I think I always have this sort of desire to bring it back to Canada. Um, and I think that's what makes Canada special is that where people are from other places in the world, when they're coming to Canada, they're, they're bringing their music with them and, and, are, and sharing it. Like it's such a generous thing. We're so lucky to have that influence. Um, when we were younger, we just kind of played the way we played and we had no idea where it was coming from, but I'm 51 now. Um, so 50 wonderful. And as I look back at our older music or our younger music, I see where it comes from. Like, uh, it's it's really interesting to me as I, I look back on a song like uh, "Blame It on Me." It really has, as I studied Brazilian music, I really see it has like a um, dose, um, dose, like that kind of Brazilian feel. And we didn't know what we were doing; we just played that way. But because we were coming from Toronto, it somehow gets in there. Like if you listen to the early music that we played, it had a real anticipation thing. So the there's a Latin feeling that even if you're looking at like uh, Yoko Ono, like you can be my Yoko, like those anticipated beats, it's very Latin. And I, I just don't know why we did it, but we did it. I think as we, as we age as a band, we still keep on searching and we still keep on bringing new things in as we experience them. Yeah. So, um, it's this exchange that happens in Canada. And I feel like we have to be better Canadians and not only allowing ourselves to be influenced and, and the, that gift that that is, but also acknowledging where those things came from. It's kind of a, it's a, a way that we can move forward, I think, because we've, we've benefited so much from these amazing musics that has come here. Yes. And uh, I think it's it's great to highlight highlight the music, and that's why I love what your podcast is doing. Oh, thanks so much! I really appreciate that. It's very nice. Thank you. Bare Naked Ladies did a cover of Bruce Coburn's "Lovers in Dangerous Times," and he was one of my guests. Your cover was very cool, hugely successful. What was his feedback on it? Yeah, we actually got to play it with him at his tribute uh, concert. I have a photo, a photograph of that on my wall of us doing that. Um, oh, nice! Uh, he is a huge inspiration. I mean, you talk about somebody who <sighs> brings his worldview brings his experiences, brings his beliefs, brings his interest in, in all different styles of music. Like I studied him at U of T. He was in our world music class. And, and I remember hearing um, like creation dream and 
just hearing those songs and hearing how the influences that he is, has brought into his music, that really empowered me to kind of like look a little further than, than what I immediately had uh, or was exposed to. You know, and one interesting thing, I did listen to that podcast, by the way, and him yeah. talking about his experiences in Nicaragua. Yeah, Nicaragua. And, you know, you know, I was also in- invited by Oxfam to go to Tanzania to uh, experience and be introduced to their work with the schools there. I, I asked if I could talk to Bruce and he, he was totally into it because I know he'd done some experience as a musician traveling into war zones. And this was definitely not a war zone in Tanzania, but be, what, what should I be prepared for as an artist going into the, a situation that's foreign to me? And, and he just said, you know, allow it to affect you, allow it to be what it is. You don't have to write a song right away about it, allow it to kind of find its way. And, and he, he just, number one, I was blown away that I got to talk to him, but that he was so generous, you know, just really, I mean, I think that's something that is really strong about music too, is that there's a lot of exchange between the older musicians and the younger musicians It happens. And, I think that should be something that should be supported even more um, because it meant so much to me when he reached out to me. Yeah, Bruce Coburn is amazing. And as you said, very generous with his time. You also mentioned songwriting. Bare Naked Ladies has a new album coming out, Detour to Force. And I want to talk to you about one of the songs that you wrote on the album. But first, um, Bare Naked Ladies also includes singer Ed Robertson, keyboardist Kevin Hurd, drummer Tyler Stewart, and their last album was Fake Nudes in 2017. What a great title. The new album, Detour to Forest, is the 16th uh, for the band, and it drops on July 16. And there's also some guest artists. But I listened to it, and from the high energy and whimsy of Flip, which is also available as a single, to Internal Dynamo that ends the album, it's pretty serious rock. There's definitely Rush in there. <laughs> Rush, Rush, and Max Webster made their made their way into that uh, yeah. song for sure. But it's, it's also kind of got this mix with this kind of mystical beginning and end. Um, it's quite a journey that song. What a stellar piece and a great way to end the album. It's it's totally brilliant. You know, I wanted to talk about this piece that you wrote. It's very different, a Latin jazz influence, and it was named after Paul Chambers, the bass player from Miles Davis Group, famous for their album, of course, mm-hmm. Kind of Blue. Tell us more about the song and how did the band collaborate during COVID to put this together? Well, we we actually started before COVID, a month before COVID. We were going up to Ed's cottage in the winter. It was like January, and um, we were all together in a room and recording these tracks and we got a, most of them done all but four then we had to stop because covid happened and uh there was a wane in the in like june and july of last year we got back to the studio and with all the protocols and and finished her off it was kind of interesting actually because that that space in between doing the bed tracks together in a very organic way and then coming back to it the space in between allowed us to reach out to friends and get some remote recording from them um, to get to Paul Chambers, which is you asked about um, Tyler was like, Oh man, 
you got to get Andy to play percussion on this, you know? And so Andy, my brother was in the band for the first five years and Tyler was like, yeah, you got to get Andy to play on this. You're going to love what he does. I, I know it. So I gave it to Andy and he laid down this uh, pillow guiro. <laughs> so basically a guiro kind of part with a, just on a nice sort of a softer sound. Anyways, he did that. He also kind of laid, laid down, like we had kind of a, kind of a Latin feel on the, on the song. I initially tried, wanted it to be more of a Curtis Mayfield feeling, but it, it turned out to be more sort of a Latin feel. And then Andy just went, oh, I'm just going to lay down this guitar. So he laid down this real Carlo, Antonio Carlos Wobim guitar part, Giazoberto style, you know, and cha, 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 cha. And, uh, and that changed the song. So it, the process of COVID happening and, bringing my brother into it kind of uh, really opened up new windows for this song. And, uh, and then after I heard that part, uh, I started like checking out like Ontario Carlos Wabim's string parts and like, how does he, how does he do? And I went like, Oh, he kind of does like a low unison string part. Then he brings in the higher stuff later lush. It kind of, lets that transition the section with the bringing in all the harmony, but he, you know, so it was kind of a neat process that way. Um, the song itself is, Gorgeous. Uh, yeah, I woke, I wrote it with my friend, Mike Evan. I've been listening to Paul Chambers on vinyl. And so Paul Chambers tone just came right through the speakers to me. And I said, well, I kind of asked myself, what, what, how can I give, to loved ones in my life, what Paul Chambers gives to his bandmates and the music. Following child Paul Chambers has led me to uh, studying Barry Harris's bebop uh, teachings. And uh, I've been doing that for the past year. That's been COVID for me has been really like, you know, checking out how Barry looks at music. And uh, it's been really wonderful. And he taught Paul Chambers because they're both from Detroit. So there's all these connections being made for me right now, which is really exciting. Well, speaking of COVID, uh, is the band going to tour the album when these COVID restrictions lighten up again? And if so, uh, do you have a personal highlight, maybe something that's somewhere you played in the past or somewhere you'd like to go back to once you can? Red Rocks is a really great place to play. It's this, you know, it's a, outside of Denver, Colorado. It's a venue that's cut between these two big flat iron rocks. It is. It's owned by the city of Denver. So it really has that ownership and the audience you really feel, they feel a part of the place. Yeah. So before, before um, the Red Rock show, I'd go out and, and just hike around and it's a beautiful landscape, like sage and incredible smells. That sounds gorgeous. And also quite different in Madison Square Gardens. (laughs) Oh, that was, that one was special, man. I mean, the first time we played that was, it was a sellout show in like 1998 and it truly does have that, uh, that quality that all the greats that went before you were there and like Frank Sinatra Beatles. And so in Madison square gardens, if you look up, you can see this circular tiling that really, really gives it a strong, like warm acoustic sound. So this venue sounds like a concert venue. So it's a beautiful venue. Do you have any live in-person concerts uh, or, or not due to COVID? Uh, we haven't, but we're, um, 
we're hoping to do stuff. We're hoping that I think Canada might be the first one with it that we do this year. Um, But uh, we're just piecing it together because we've actually had to uh, postpone our summer tour. We were going to tour this summer till next year. Yeah. It's, do, I think Canada is going to be first. If that's not happening in the fall, it'll definitely happen in the spring, 2022. Oh, wow. Lucky Canada, though. Oh, man. We can't <laughs> wait to play. Like we're, right? Oh, my God. Yeah. Well, Detour to Force, it's a phenomenal album. It's eclectic, and there's something for everyone. The playing and sound are, are absolutely great. And I'm really lucky to have heard the preview of the album. So I want to say congratulations. This is going to be a huge success. Thanks. It was fun making it. It was, yeah, it was great. It was great to be in a room together, too. And I haven't yeah. been in a room with those guys since. So can't wait to tour it. Oh, tell us about the title, Detour de Force. Was that inspired by COVID? Yeah, yeah, it definitely was inspired by everybody having to do a complete detour, but do it in in a strong way, <laughs> you know, do it as best you can. And uh, I think, yeah, that was it. We've all had to change our lives. And, and it, you know, I think we changed our lives because we had to. And I think I, I was actually really proud about what Canada is pulling off, uh, changing to you know to try and save lives during covid yeah i think that the album was that too we had to change it up but we did it with all every all hands on deck everybody going for it do you have any final parting words for listeners today yeah no we can't play, wait to play live and uh i i know for myself i'm going to be going out and seeing as much music as i can when that once we can do it safely so can't wait for more information about Detour de Force, visit BarenakedLadies.com or the podcast website CanadasMusicalMosaic.com, where I'll post links to the Barenaked Ladies Selfie Cam Jam from their YouTube channel and tell you more about their mobile app, Barenaked Bites. That's B-Y-T-E-S. Jim, any of my podcast season with Bare Naked Ladies on Canada Day 2021 is definitely one of my highlights, and I want to thank you so much for being here. Thanks, Rhea. Nice talking to you. And you also. This is Rhea Beaumont. For listeners, it's been an amazing season of interviews with incredible and diverse Canadian musicians. Bruce Coburn, Amanda Martinez, Misha Bruker-Gosman, Mariam Toller of the Ochawa Ensemble, Marshall Pinkowski from Opera Atelier, and closing with Jim Cregan from Bare Naked Ladies. What a great way to end. For those of you who'd like to become a patron of the podcast, please visit the website or Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Rhea Beaumont. Thanks for listening. Stay well. Stay safe. Okay, you know I'm going to end with something more fun than that. Um, I was thinking about the Scatlight because there's a song called uh, uh, Rollout on the, on the new record that totally has reminds me of that bass player. You know, stuff like that. Okay, I'm going to do another take on that opening. <laughs> Let's do this. Let's do this. <laughs>